Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Brenton. Great. Uh, can we pray before we dive into things? God, I thank you so much for, for who you are and God, uh, your faithfulness. God, you're so faithful. You're so good. Um, and you're so amazing. And God, we just acknowledge that this morning. We thank you that you brought uh, your people here to come and worship you. And we just pray that uh, you would speak to us and, and speak to our hearts. God, if there's any truths this morning that you want to just open our eyes to, to really see in a new way, we pray that that would happen because we need your help in, in following this, we need your help in seeing the, the truth that you want us to live out in our lives. So God, help us do that. And uh, yeah, thank you that you're with us. Amen. Uh, a number of years back, uh, I was traveling in, in the airport. And whenever I travel, I select clothing that is, is soft and baggy. And so that usually means like sweatpants and hoodies. I kind of look like a schlub a little bit, got a baseball cap. And so I'm, I'm going and, and this lady asks me, oh, what do you do for, for a job? And I say, well, I'm a pastor. And the lady says, you don't look like a pastor. <laughs> so I was like, okay, is that like a subtle dig that I'm, <laughs> I should dress a little bit better? I don't know. But I just kind of told her, well, actually, yeah, pastors can kind of dress. We're, we're normal people, you know, um, we can dress normally and, and I dress, just dress comfortably. Um, but obviously in her mind, she had, uh, you know, a role of what a pastor should look like and what a pastor should wear, and I didn't fit into that, um, what she thought in her head. Uh, I think in, in a similar way, when we hear the word priest, we get a, a picture in our head, and an image in our head that might not actually fit what that role should look like. When, when I hear the word priest, I think of uh, Roman Catholicism and a Roman Catholic priest. But at the same time, and the important thing is that uh, in the New Covenant, what a priest is, is very different. It, it's not a Roman Catholic priest. And so we're going to dive into what a priest is. Uh, we're in this series called DNA. It's all about the DNA of, of our church and what, what are some of our core beliefs that we, we really believe and, and want to live out. And one of these core beliefs is, is the priesthood of all believers. And so we're going to talk about what that means for us. So in the Old Testament, you, you, you did have priests, right, that worked in the temple. They, they were from, you know, the tribe of, of Levi, and they, they worked in the temple giving sacrifices to God. They would teach people uh, the, the law about God, and they, they had this really actually key and important role. Uh, if you were just not, if you weren't a priest, you needed a priest on your behalf. You, you had to have that priest because that priest offered sacrifices on your behalf. And that priest acted as a mediator between uh, you and God. And so this role of a priest would have been really, really important as they served in the temple, as they offered praise to God and sacrifices to God and, and taught people um, what the law said. It, it was an important role but, but ultimately, when Jesus came, he changed a, a whole lot of things. Because when he died, uh, in, in the temple where, where it was holding the presence of God, that veil was torn, right? There was, a, there was a veil, there was an outer 
court, an inner court, and then a holy of holies. But, but the holy of holies was separated by this big, thick curtain where the high priest went in once a year. Well, when Jesus died, that curtain was ripped. And it just changed everything. And I don't know what the priest would have done that came to that temple that next morning, but they would have been like, What's, what is going on? Like, like that, the veil ripped? Do I just continue on or, or what's going on? But what, what was happening at that moment is actually Jesus became the ultimate high priest, right? And all of these sacrifices and all of these things in the temple all actually foreshadowed um, Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice and Jesus being the true high priest. And now in our lives, we don't have priests because there's no need for them. There's no need to have a mediator. The only mediator is Jesus, right? And so this is where uh, in Roman Catholicism, they do have priests and you do need to go to a priest and, and confess your sin and that's not a biblical thing. And this is where Martin Luther said, hey, no, 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 no. Um, we are all priests. We're, we're all part of this priesthood. If you've given your life to God, you're a priest and the only high priest is Jesus, um, we see this in 1 Peter 2. It says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. So we're not only priests. We together are, are the temple of God, right? The temple used to be this physical building where God's presence um, rested. But now we together, you and I, make up the temple, right? The church isn't a building. The church is, is a group of people. That's why this room is not a sanctuary, a holy place, it's an auditorium because God dwells among us and in us. And so we make up all together, we're this, these living stones and we, we make together God's house and his temple. And we're also to be a holy priesthood. So we're the temple and we're the priests and we're still offering spiritual sacrifices to God. Not chickens or anything like that. But we, we now offer our, our lives, right? Like it says in Romans 12, offering our life as a living sacrifice to God. So we're the temple, we're priests, and we're still offering sacrifices to him. It just obviously looks a bit different. Um, in verse 9, we'll jump to verse 9 there, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation belonging to God, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So I want to talk this morning about what that means, what it means to be a priest, and what that means for, for the calling on my life, what that means for the calling on, on your life, because it's a really significant thing, right? If we've been given this role, then let's talk about what this role all entails. Um, firstly, I want to talk about one benefit of being a priest. A benefit of being a, a priest is you get access to the presence of God you get access to the presence of God. In the Old Testament, that was a big deal. If you, if you were to go into the temple, you actually had to bathe, and then you had to put on your, your priestly garments, and you had to be clean, right, in order to go in, into the temple. And, and once a year, again, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. It was, it was a massive deal because the presence of God is holy, and to, to come into his presence, you had to, to be holy. Uh, the, the amazing thing in, in the new covenant, because Jesus is our, our sacrifice, in Ephesians 2.17 it says, For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. 
You have access to the Father by one Spirit, through Him, through Jesus. In Hebrews 4, 16, it says, let's come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. So the, the fact that we are a priest means that we have access to God's presence 24-7. Isn't that exciting? That's amazing. It's awesome. I, um, a number of years back, I, I had a gym membership, and uh, they, they give you a, a card. And that card is pretty amazing because you have 24-7 access to the gym. You could go to the gym at 3 in the morning and use that card, ding, ding, and you'd be allowed in. I don't know why you would ever do that, <laughs> but you could. Um, so I had this card of 24-7 access, even though I used it more like 0-7 or 1-7, um, one hour every week or something like that. Uh, but today, if I would go, because I'm no longer paying for that, it, it would, I would hold it up to the card reader and it would go, eh, eh, or something like that. There would be a, a red light saying, you're not allowed to go in here because you're, you're not paying for this anymore. Uh, the beautiful thing about, about the presence of God is you will never, if you've given your life to God and, and put your faith in Jesus, you will never see that red light. You will never see that red light. You will never hear that, eh, eh, oh, you can't go in there. Because... The sacrifice has been made for your sin because you've been made holy by God. And so we can approach his throne confidently. We have access to the Father 24-7 because we are a priest and we're a holy priesthood because what Jesus has done. Um, Being a priest too is not just about having access to the presence of God, but there's a calling on our lives to live out. And so I want to talk about that calling and what it looks like for, for kind of the rest of our time together this morning. In, in 1 Peter 2, we read this, that, you, that you might, you're a priest that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So this is a, a role that we have, to, to declare his praises to the world, to declare what he's done in our lives, to maybe give our testimony of him saving us, but to make his name known Right? This, is, this was the role of a priest, to, to represent God to the people, to tell the people about God. In Revelation 1.6, it kind of talks about this too. It says, To him who loved us has freed us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom, and there you have it again, priests. Why? To serve his God and Father. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So this is, this, this is what we're to do as, as a priest. We're to live in service to God to bring glory to God. And each and every one of you, if you've given your life to God, that role rests on you. You are a priest. Um, you're in service to God. It doesn't matter what job you have, you're in ministry. You're in ministry. If you pump gas, you're in ministry. If you're an accountant, you're in ministry. If you're a teacher, you're in ministry. If you're a farmer, you're in ministry. If you work at McDonald's, you're in ministry. Your life is to be lived in service to God. You are a priest to live for him, to declare his praises. Whether you go anywhere or not, you're a missionary. Right? And this is something that's so key and some of us can miss. Right? Maybe we see, oh, the pastor. The pastor is the missionary. 
right? Or the pastor is the one doing the service to God. This, that's why we pay them. You know, the missionary that I'm paying who, who went somewhere else, they're the ones that are in service to God. And, and, and my role is not really, that's not really for me, right? But no, we are all in this. We are all in ministry. And, and, the, and the church, it really, it hurts when we don't really grasp this and live this out, that we are priests. In Ephesians 4, Verse 11, this is what it says. It was, it was God who gave some to be apostles, prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pa- pastors and teachers to entertain God's people and encourage them. It doesn't say that. It says prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So we, we, we're, um, we're all priests, right? We're all in service to God now. And God still, you know, he did give people to be all of these roles of pastors and all of these things and teachers, but why do these roles exist? It's to train the people, and they do the ministry. In the ESV, it says to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So this is why we offer all of these different courses here at, at Gospel Mission Church and encourage you to take them. It's because you guys, we're wanting to equip you guys for the work of ministry. We want to prepare you to do the ministry and the calling that God has on your life. It's kind of like we're the coach and you are, are the players in this. And in the kingdom of God, there, there is no royal spectators. There's no royal spectators. Does anyone ever watch tennis? When I think of royal spectators, I think of tennis. It's very posh. I want to go to Wimbledon one day, but I don't think I'll fit in, you know. Um, they, they eat strawberries and cream, and it's all very fancy, and they sit in the stands. And, and in tennis, you, you're not supposed to, like, ever be loud. You know, if you're ever loud, it's like, shh, everyone shushes you. And then you look at, just watch the people play tennis. I want a point scored. Just give a light, real light clap. If it gets too rowdy, then you'll probably, you just don't fit in anymore. But there's no royal spectators in the kingdom of God. God didn't make you and, and put gifts in you to sit on the bench. There's no bench players in the kingdom of God. He's made you to get into the game. And he's calling you to get in the game. There was one time where I had a, a friend on my heart. And I felt like God kind of put on my, on my heart a message for him uh, and and the, just the picture I had in my head is that he was a hockey player sitting on the bench and he was getting off of the bench and getting into the game. And so I sent him this message. I said, hey man, I don't know what this really means for you, but this is kind of the picture that I got. And he went on to say to me that, that he, was, he was wanting to, to, to say yes to, to a, going to the PAW. Our church used to do this in summer, go take missions trips to the paw, and he was wanting to say yes, but, but he just couldn't. He was, he was afraid, or maybe he didn't know what he had to offer. Or it was just something that was a, a scary thing, and I, and I think it was just cool how God was saying, hey, get in the game. Get in the game. I've called you to make a difference. I've called you to, to, to be part of, of this ministry and this mission, and you were a part of that, and so it was cool to see how God was calling him out to get into the game. But I think God's calling you out as well. Yes, you. <laughs> um, and for some of you, you know, like, even coming to church is a stress, or is a stretch. And I, I get that, right? 
There's sometimes I'm in the foyer and I'm like, oh, there's so many people, I'm scared. Um, but we have to move past just coming and going as fast as we can. And we have to make sure that, that we're getting into the game. We're, we're, we're saying yes to the call of God that he has on our life because it's important. It's important, amen? So I think a couple of questions we can answer is what position do I play? What's my role? And, and how can we play as a team? What are the attitudes we need to have so that we can get into the game? And I think Romans 12 does a really good job of talking about this. Paul says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. To each one of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So God, or Paul here, God through Paul, is talking about how do we function as a team? How do, how do we live out this calling as the body of Christ on our life? Um, and I love how he, how he starts it off. He pretty much starts it off with saying, you're not that big of a deal. <laughs> and I think that's an important thing to know. If, if we're to really function as a team here, Paul's saying, think of yourself with sober judgment. It, it's, not, it's not all about you. Like, you're, you're just a member, and, and we're in this together, and we belong to each other. And I think if this is something that we're gonna do together, fulfill the calling of God in our life, we have to remember it's, it's not about me, right? I'm here to serve. I, I'm here to come and give what I have. Uh, I, when, when, I graduated, uh, when I graduated Bible college, I had a degree. And sometimes when you get a degree, it goes to your head, right? You're like, Ha-ha, I got a degree. I know the Bible, I know Greek and Hebrew and, and the context. I've read four commentaries. I know a lot. I know a lot. And so I'm, I'm serving in, in youth ministry, and I'm, I'm given the, the prestigious role of stocking the canteen. And part of me in my head's like, wow, okay. Like, I got a degree so I can buy Skittles. Like, I can do more. I know more, I, I, can, I can, again, I know the word, like, come on, what, is this my role to play in the game? But I, I, I feel like it was God teaching me to say, hey, Brenton, does it, does it matter what, what it looks like, or is it just really about you serving, and you coming to serve with, with a servant heart? Is this about you being on stage in front of people, or is this about you serving the body of Christ? Why would I even give you a public ministry if you don't want to do ministry in private of buying Skittles? And, and it was a teaching time for me to say, yeah, that's, I'm not that big of a deal. You know, it's, this is not about me. It's about, it's about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, when he came to, he gave us this example. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve, right? That's wild, and it made his disciples uncomfortable. 
he washed his disciples' feet, and his disciples were like, stop, time out, time out. You're a rabbi, you're a teacher, you should not be washing my feet. This is a task that's low for, for like that guy over there. Not for you, Jesus, for him. Let him wash our feet. And Jesus, I, I think he was showing the body of Christ, hey, this is, this is not about um, us. This is about serving. And each member belongs to the others. And so we want to come with a heart of service. We want to come with, hey, how can I serve? So that we can learn to be a part of a team. And every single person needs to learn to be a part of the team. We need to learn to function together. We need to learn how, where our role is, but also we need to know that our role fits in with the rest of the body of Christ. Right? This is not about my calling. It's actually about our corporate calling together. None of our callings are on an island. All our callings are, are interconnected because, again, we form a body. We are not, I am not the body of Christ. We are, together are the body of Christ. Right? So we have to learn how to be on this team. Even Michael Jordan had to learn to be a part of a team. And... Uh, in his, uh, basket, his pursuit to win an NBA championship, he, he had failed up until the point where, where Phil Jackson, a, a coach, a new, there was a new coach there, and, and the first thing that Phil Jackson told Michael Jordan, who was, at this point, the best player ever, he still is the best player ever, and this is what Phil Jackson told Michael Jordan, I don't anticipate you're going to be the scoring champion in the league, Jackson told Jordan. Imagine that. You're, you're a new coach, and you go to the best player that's ever walked the earth of playing basketball, and you say, yeah, yeah you're not going to win any more scoring titles. And Michael Jordan later said that he, at first he just didn't like Phil Jackson because it was like, who are you to tell me this? But this is what Jackson ended up telling Jordan, that the spotlight is on the ball. If you're the guy that's always going to have the ball, teams can generate defense against that. That's what happened with the Pistons the last couple of years. And so Jordan was making it all about, get me the ball, get me the ball, get me the ball. But teams would just say, hey, we just need to stop Jordan. And if we can kind of half stop Jordan and no one else does anything else, then, then we can win. Um, in our situation, it's a little bit different because actually the spotlight is, is on one man, right? The spotlight is on one man, but that man isn't the pastor. You know, I think we have the Michael Jordan of pastors and Pastor Claude, but it's not, the spotlight's not on him. The spotlight's not on any of you. We're not the focus. The spotlight's on Jesus. And for a church to win, we have to keep that mindset. We have to know that. With everything we do in our service, in our life, is, I, need to, I want to ask myself this question, is the spotlight on me or is the spotlight on Jesus? A priest is called to declare the glory and praises of him who saved us. Right? So as a church, we're working together. We're part of this team. And, and I, I think what makes us function as a team is we know the spotlight's not on us. It's not about me and my separate calling. It's not even just about us necessarily. It's about us working together so that Jesus would get the glory. Right? The spotlight is on him. 
And the last thing that, that Paul is talking about in this passage is he starts talking about gifts and, and the different gifts that we have. It says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So we all have gifts because we've all been given a measure of grace, right? You have gifts from God. You do. God did not skip, you know? He, he, didn't, uh, he didn't make someone and, and the recipe uh, didn't work and he's like, oh, forgot to give the person grace and they have nothing. And then it says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, what should we do then? Serve. If it's teaching, do you want to take a guess as to what you should do? Good. Good. Uh, that was a, almost a trick question. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's, if it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And at the end there, he talks about, I, I think he even amps it up a little bit. If it's giving, do it generously. If it's leading, do it earnestly, that word means. Take it seriously. If it's to show mercy, do it in a cheerful way. So Paul's really saying, hey, we're all in this together, but you've been given a gift, and it's important that you actually do it. It's been put into your hands for a reason and a purpose, and it's important that you use this gift. It really is important that you use the gift. We all need, we all form a different part of the body. So if, if one of us just says, hey, I'll let you guys do it, if one of us says that, I, I don't think it's the way that God meant for the church to be, right? We all have such an important role. On a weekend, if you look at all the roles being fulfilled, they're all super important. You have Richard ushering people, Max back there with the PowerPoint, and Irene is, is helping Max there. This is his first time. You're doing great, Max. I can't even really see, but I'm, I, I think you're doing great. Uh, got Matthew on the camera. I'm trying to like make it hard for him to, to get me. And you have kids' ministry happening and, and, and teachers there. They, they never really go on stage, but whoo, huh, those are so, they're so important. There's so many important roles, and it's, it's not about one person on the stage. No, it's about all of us saying yes to God. And that's what God is concerned about. He's, he's not concerned about necessarily what you're doing. He's, he's concerned about how you're doing it. Are you saying yes to the calling he has on your life? Are you using what he put in, in, in his, are you using what he's put in your hands to glorify him? Are you doing that? In the parable of the talents, you, you had the servants, the, the, ma the master give the servants talents and say, okay guys, I'm, I'm leaving and I'm going to come back and I'm going to see what you've done with what I've given you. And you had two of them say, hey, yeah, I've invested what you gave me and here's a, here's a return. And you have one who buried his talents in the ground. And he said, I, I was afraid. I was afraid and... Uh, but I dug them back up for you, and, and here you go. I didn't really do much with them, but I gave, gave them back to you. And the master's not really happy because he wants us to invest what he's given us. So, so my important question to you 
this morning is what has God given you? What has God put in your hands? What are the talents that he's given you? And it's, it's important that you use them. And maybe you don't even know. Maybe you're, 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 you would say, I have no idea. I'm not good at anything, like for real, nothing. Um, if that's you this morning, I just want to say you, you do have a grace and you do have giftings. Um, and a couple of important things I can say to you is, one, we have a gift course here at church. I think it's great to kind of discover how God has, has gifted us and wired us. Um, two, you might have friends, hopefully you have friends or family or someone that knows you. Just ask them, how has God gifted me? I think sometimes we, we because of our self-esteem issues, we're the last people to see the giftings inside of us. But everyone else is like, oh, so easy to know how you're gifted. This is how you're gifted. So ask, ask someone uh, about how God has gifted you. But three, and maybe most important, is in the meantime, even if you have some questions about how you're gifted, don't do this. Don't twiddle your thumbs. You don't have a long time here. Maximum... I don't know, how, how long do people live? 120 years? It's not very long, right? <laughs> and that is very optimistic. <laughs> we don't have very long. We don't want to live afraid. We don't want to live timid when God has given us a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. We want to say yes to the call of God in our life. And, and as soon as you say yes, I almost guarantee that God is going to bring something up. As soon as you, yes, God, I want to serve you, there's going to be a need arise. Children's ministry. <gasps> no, I can't, I can't do that, God. I can't do that. I'm afraid of children, <laughs> right? But the beautiful thing is that uh, about giftings, too, is that God can enable you to do anything at any time because God wants to not just use you. He wants to go beyond you. And that is cool. That is amazing. Look when God, look when God called Moses. I love this interaction. It's, it's funny. It says in Exodus 3, But Moses said to God, I'm nobody. How can I go to the king and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God answered, No, Moses, you're somebody. You're awesome. You're great. No, he didn't, he did, God didn't say that. Because actually, I think God called Moses because he was a nobody. Right? God often calls nobodies to do really amazing, awesome things because then it confuses everyone and they're like, how is that nobody doing all this? Oh, it's God, right? So all God says is, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. That's all he needs to say. That, that's it. If God's there, if he's with them, it doesn't matter who you are, Moses. You've been called by the I am, by God. But still Moses is struggling and finds excuses to say no and says, No, Lord, don't send me. I've never been a good speaker and I haven't since you began to talk to me. I'm a poor speaker, slow and hesitant. And the Lord said to him, Oh, I got you and your brother mixed up. I'm sorry. I got the wrong guy. Bring Aaron and go back to your sheep, Moses, and just live a life of being a shepherd. No. The Lord says to him, Who gives man his mouth? who makes him deaf or dumb, who gives him sight or makes him blind. It is I, the Lord. Now go, I'll help you to speak and I will tell you what to say. But Moses answered, no, Lord, 
please send somebody else. And what Moses was, was missing here is God's ability to go beyond him. Right? God's ability to go beyond him. Have you ever had that in your life where God has gone beyond you? You've said a prayer, maybe a prayer for healing or a prayer for comfort, and you see God use your words and go beyond you and do something miraculous. Maybe you serve someone, you bake a pie for someone and you encourage them, and you see God using that and going beyond you and touching their heart. There's nothing better. There's nothing better than having God go beyond you. You bringing the little thing you have and it feels insignificant, but then all of a sudden something amazing happens because you used what God gave you and God, boom, he went beyond you. And that is what he wants to do in your life. God wants to go beyond you. And I can look at my abilities in the natural, but it's almost not even worth doing because God's with me. So what's possible with God with me? And when I say yes to God, this is when I'm going to see God go beyond me in my life. And that's what I want. That's what needs to happen as a church. This is what we need to see. And this is what we need to do. It's so huge. It's really important that we see ourselves as priests and we say yes to the call of God in our life. I don't exactly know what that looks like. That is somewhat between you and God, but I know it looks like something. I really know it looks like something. It probably looks like serving here on the weekends sometimes, I think. Probably looks like you coming alive in your family and in your workplace. But it, but it definitely is you living in service and ministry to God and you investing what he's given you. So I, I just pray that uh, this message would just stick with you. And you'd remember that you're chosen by God. You're called by God. You're equipped by God to be a royal priesthood so that we can together put the spotlight on Jesus and this world can come to know him, right? This is not about any of us individually. This is about us saying yes together and each one of you are a part of that. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.